The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy who is good. Hashtag glue guy, hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holy to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Rangers fans, welcome to the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis, and we are Liberty Blue. We scream about the Rangers so that you can save your voice. That's how deeply we care about you, and we appreciate that you've joined us for the ride. This is episode 32, live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. We'll put the full video up on our YouTube at Liberty Blue Podcast, and the audio version will be available as an audio podcast as well. Search Liberty Blue on your favorite podcast platform, and it should be there. Give the show that shiny and illustrious five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps the show way more than you think it does. At Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew, alongside Nick Zararis, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Those are our personal Twitter handles to follow as well. Nick, well, the Rangers are exactly who we thought they were. Uh, first of all, rest in peace to the late Denny Green Hall of Fame press conference quote. That is one of the most immortal phrases in the history of sports. I am very I still remember staying up on a that was a Monday night football game between the Bears and the Cardinals. And I remember staying up to watch that. So first of all, let, let's pay respects to the dead. Secondly, that game against the Bruins was the perfect encapsulation of this Rangers season. Yep. They get the puck to good areas of the ice. They generate good looks, legitimately good scoring chances that on most nights they would go in. A couple posts, Jeremy Swayman steals two goals outright. Just those pucks should have gone in. A goalie made a really good play. And then the Bruins, with their superior structure, wore the game down. And remember, the Bruins only had five defensemen in that game because Brandon Carlo got hurt early on in the game. And the Rangers kept shooting and kept shooting and shooting from further away and further away and not getting traffic in front of the net and not winning pucks down low. And slowly but surely, the game became the way the Bruins want to play. The Bruins are one of, if not the best structured team in the entire league. Whenever the Bruins have the pucks on their stick, they know exactly where the puck needs to go. There is no hesitation. There is no playing the puck off of the glass if there's nobody in the neutral zone close enough to play it. The Bruins are a very well-structured team that know exactly what to do. The Rangers are a team that is still, even at the 46-game mark, unclear of what they are. This is a team where the coach just randomly plucks guys from the fourth line and puts them on the second line or drops guys from the first line to the third line with no real rhyme or reason. It can be eight minutes into a game. It could be halfway through the third period. Whenever he gets one of those weird hunches, like, you know, how baseball managers used to like rub their bellies to get ideas. Oh, I need to pinch hit for this guy in this situation. I feel it in my gut. Okay, that that's great and all, but putting this player in your top six with no real discernible change in how they play, I at some point we got to say what it is. And this is a team... I don't want to say coasting, but treading water. They are content with where they are. They're playing at a reasonable pace. They know they're going to be a playoff team if they keep playing the way they're playing. And there is no interest in them being a little bit more aggressive at the risk of conceding more defensively, considering the problems they've had at points. But there's plenty to get into. The floor is yours, Andrew. 
Well, and the and the broadcast talked about it during the Bruins game as well at how the Bruins with five defensemen continued to be as aggressive as they were with six. They played the exact same style. They played the exact same way that they would if everybody was out there on the ice and Carlo didn't get hurt. They played aggressively. They played to get the puck off of the off of the Rangers stick and to just basically keep it for as long as they possibly could. The Rangers loved forcing those cross ice passes as they have tried to do in every game this season. Sometimes it sometimes successfully, a lot of times not very much so. And that directly caused one of the goals. As as we, I think it was Abinajad and Kreider, those two guys. Like yeah. they tried, they tried that ridiculous pass. It didn't work, and it went the other way. And the Bruins scored, and that was basically the game. Like the Rangers love forcing and falling back to what they know how to do, which is those long passes. That if you're playing a good team, most of those don't get through. Because you're playing the best team, not only have they scouted you, they have the personnel on the roster to break those passes up. They have the they have the skill set to be like, we know that you do this, and we're going to break it down every time you do it. And the Rangers were like, bet. And they did it, and they did it, and they did it, and they kept doing it for 60 minutes, and they lost. What a shocker. Like, this team could not generate five on five offense, a shocker. They waited for power plays to happen. And that, and their power play is they that needs to be fixed. Like they, they need, they need to do something with that, with that power play because it is not scoring anything. It is not generating a whole lot. They need to change something that hasn't been changed. The Gerard lot for whatever reason, just he's changing everything except for the power play. That's not working. Okay, cool. Got it. Like they, they need to do something here that, that, kind of just changes the way that they think on a given shift. It doesn't have to be the first line. It doesn't have to be the fourth line. Just whatever it is that the Rangers are doing with the puck on their stick, there needs to be a change of mentality because these cross-ice passes, these, you know, if, if there's, if there's no, if there's no Ranger coming up to the neutrals, I'm just going to dump it in as opposed to, keeping it in our zone and then tr- and just maintaining possession. Like there's, there's not a whole lot of flow. It feels like a lot of times. And that's one of the things that Gerard Gallant really needs to fix. There's so many things that go into that, that, that it all feeds into all of these little things feed into each other. The way they play in the defensive zone that hold on for dear life. When anybody other than Fox and Lindgren are on the ice, I forget what it was. I forget who had it uh, during the week last week after the Bruins game, but just the difference of the Rangers when Fox is on the ice versus when he isn't, I think they're being outscored at five on five by like 16 when Fox isn't on the ice, something ridiculous like that, which goes to show you just how important he is to the team because they don't let they don't encourage Truba and Miller and Schneider and God forbid Harper to skate with the puck forward to try and take some pressure off of the forecheck to make the passes a little bit easier. They are encouraging those long stretch passes from the defensive zone into the neutral zone. And then if they gain possession in the neutral zone, if it's not Panarin, they're gaining the zone with speed, forcing the puck to the middle, trying for that crossing pass. If it is Panarin, he skates the puck into the offensive zone with speed, throws on the brakes at the half wall, tries to force the puck cross. See him. And the problem they have is 
they do not have anybody who can who has a Panarin sense. Like I I don't know any other way to describe it. For whatever reason, Ryan Strom always kind of was in the right spot. We we like to make fun of Ryan Strom a lot for his inability to put the puck in open nets, for him kind of popping off out of nowhere after getting acquired for basically nothing. Ryan Spooter wasn't in the NHL two years after that trade was committed. But the problem they have is that Trocheck doesn't know how to play with Panarin. He does not have a sense for where he needs to be on the ice when he's out there with 10. So it makes Panarin's job a lot harder at five on five because he needs guys who are able to play off of him. Trocek has never been an elite high-end player. He's a very good player, very good 200-foot player. He's noticeable. He's going to get to dirty areas of the ice. That's not what Panarin needs. Panarin needs somebody who has the the playmaking ability to just inherently know where he needs to be to receive the puck. Trocek's just kind of floating around. It's part of the problem they have with the power play. Trocek is just kind of floating around out there and not really a threat to score from where he's shooting from because he never gets the puck. If he gets one or two looks on a power play for the whole night, that's a lot for him, considering he never shoots when he's on the ice. Granted, that's a problem for three of the five guys who are on the Rangers power play, but they have put a lot of stock into we think Trocek can make this team better but he doesn't inherently fit with the way they want to play that's not to say he's not a good player Trocek is Mm -hmm. a good player his five on five numbers haven't been great this year they're definitely the worst they've been in a couple years granted you got to account for the Carolina tax Carolina's underlying numbers are all kind of juiced because of the style they play but he is not playing a five on five the way the Rangers expected he has gotten zero puck luck Um, he has the most posts of anybody on the Rangers and he doesn't play the way we need Panarin center to play with him. So they've kind of backed themselves into a corner here where they don't know what to do with that him. They don't know what to do with Panarin. And they've been reorganizing around that problem all season, whether it's kids in the top six, whether it's old guys in the top six, whether it's Panarin with Zabinijad, they still don't really know. I mean, you saw the lines that they had at the practice on Saturday. You saw what the you saw that the lines were the same yesterday at practice. There is nothing here to magically say, unless something excuse me if something magically goes right sure and the lineup starts working but there's no real plan here of trial and error of this with this okay it doesn't work next we are going back to the same things that haven't worked for long stretches now they're going to play Kreider on the off wing they're going to play Kraftsov on Gautier on the fourth line with Lachishan they're going to put the kid line back together and they've got Trocek with VZ and Gaudreau great I have no faith in any of that really working beyond that first line at five on five. And even that isn't a guarantee. I mean, you saw Zabinijad get his doors blown off at five on five against Bergeron on Thursday night. And that's because Bergeron is the best two-way center in the league. Well, and that goes back. We talked about this before the show as well. The Rangers like players as, and you you said this before before the show, that the Rangers like players, but they don't know where to put them once they have them. Okay, so they got Trocek. Where do you put them? He's struggling on the power play. And again, he's hit a hundred thousand posts. Like if he, if a few of those go in, our talking point about Trocek is different. So yeah. we have to take that into consideration. We're talking about Vinny Trocek is that, listen, my man's, my man's is hitting. Like he's, he's just doing post practice. He's he, all he's doing all season. Instead of having the puck go in, he is simply practicing how many times can I hit the post without it going in? Like that's, that's what he's doing all season. So listen, like at at a certain point you have to just concede that, Hey, like if a few of these shots go in, 
our viewpoint of Trocek and maybe even the entire offense changes because then if a few of those goals go in, the Rangers win a few more games. They have they have the puck luck go their way a little bit. Maybe maybe there's some different results there. But ultimately, right now, Benny Trocek can't buy a goal, and also. He doesn't know, like you said, he like he has no idea what to do with Panarin on the ice. At least with Ryan Strom, like he would luck into 40, 50 points because Ryan Strom knew how to play off of him. That was one of and that was one of the biggest question marks that I had when that kind of I don't want to say trade because it wasn't a trade, but like the, the the switch at two C happened was you need you need a center that knows how to play with Panarin. It's it's a lot easier to play with Panarin than anybody else because Panarin is so gifted offensively. He makes the offense easy. However, you still need to read where he's going to throw the puck to. You still have to read how to how to position yourself in such a way that you are not only the receiver of the pass, but also in a way such that you can direct the puck into the net. That is not an easy skill. It is difficult because in the NHL, everything moves at such a pace that if you are not at the perfect spot, perfect position at the perfect time, that puck is not going in the net. It is a hard skill to have. And Trocek right now does not have that skill at all. He he and Panarin are just not on the same page a lot of the time. And that results in a lot of these awkward passes that either don't go the way the Rangers want them to or they get deflected off a stick or blocked or whatever. They're not on the same page. And you can see that in the way that they play their offense and how you fix that is a is a great question that Gerard Gallant I would would love the answer to because right now at least for Ryan Strom when we when the Rangers had him when they were on the same line you you knew that Ryan Strom had a sense of how to play with Panarin you had a sense of okay well he's going to drive this certain way and Panarin's going to hit him and if that puck's not going in because if it's an open net Ryan Strom won't hit it but although if the if the goalie is somewhere in the range Ryan Strom probably scores and you know and you can celebrate and do all these things with with Trocheck. If it's Panera and Trocheck on a two v two, I have zero understanding of what can possibly happen because there's a hundred different ways that two and two could go. It's really complicated because there isn't really a way to know how to play with somebody like Panarin because what makes him so dangerous is his unpredictability. If you can anticipate where you need to be, so can the other guys. That's what makes Panarin so dangerous. When he throws the brakes on at the half wall, once he gains the zone with speed, he is baiting people to come towards him in the hope that that will open up a passing lane somewhere else on the ice. Trocek has never played with anybody of Panarin's skill level at any point in his career, whether in Carolina or in Florida. He's a good player, but his skill set isn't suited to play with Panarin. I will go back at some point this week and find the episode we did back in July after the Rangers signed Trocek. And I said, and I remember saying this, we all liked making fun of Ryan Strom, but at some point we will regret that we let this chemistry go because that does matter to some degree. That chemistry that Panarin and Strom had, there was a reason Ryan Strom has never played as well at any other point in his NHL career as he did the one season he played with John Tavares and the last three years he was in New York playing with Panarin. There's a real track record there of knowing how to play with a high-end player and some of Trocek, as we said. Some of what made Trocek valuable is the style he played in Carolina. On a team like Carolina, which is 
built around volume, grinding, getting pucks to the net, being in those dirty areas of the ice that are challenging to get to. Trocek is a ton of value on a Rangers team that is more skill-based, which is more inclined for the cross seam pass, which is more inclined for point shots and more difficult plays. Trocek really hasn't been in a system like this before where you don't really know how it's going to fit until it all kind of lines up. And yes, I know Trocek played for Gallant way back when in Florida. Trocek's a very different player now than what he was that first time around when he was with Gallant. So the one other thing I want to touch on from the Boston game before we kind of move it on a little more general speaking here. At some point, for the love of God, do something to the goddamn power play. (laughs) They had four, I think they had four power plays in the game. They created four chances. They got four scoring chances on the power plays they had against the Bruins last week. They have no feel for how they need to play on the power play. It is way too stagnant. This is the oldest cliche possible. I was told this as a child playing roller hockey as like a seven-year-old. If you are not moving your feet, the defense doesn't have to move their feet either. That is the easiest way to think about what the Rangers power play struggles right now. They are way too stagnant. They are moving the puck and not their bodies. The entire point of the power play, why it is an advantage, is you have more guys than the other team. You have more guys that can cover more space. They have less guys who can cover less space. You need to be using that space to your advantage and dictating where the defense goes once you move the puck. You need guys constantly circling. You need movement. You need Fox coming down to the circle and Zabinjad creeping towards the middle as opposed to Zabinjad staying at the top of the circle waiting for the one-timer. You need to start shooting at Kreider again. Kreider led the league in power play goals last year, banking pucks in. Why are we not doing what we no are, are you saying that, that the power play isn't just for the for the cross ice to Zibanejad hour? Is that not what the power play is for? Are you saying that the Rangers should do something other than trying to force that cross ice pass to Zibanejad for the one timer? The, the, the Rangers should do more than that one thing that they do for two minutes. No way. The problem. The problem is. That is their one mode of scoring on the power play. I was yeah. talking about this with my uh, one of my Islander fan friends over the weekend, and th- 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 he's been lamenting how god awful the Islanders' power play has been basically since John Tavares left. The last, uh, the problem the Islanders have is they have no trigger man. They don't have anybody who can rip that one-timer shot. Their best one-time shooter is Ryan Pulak, who shoots with the accuracy of Jacob Truba. So you're not getting great. You're not like Pulak's got a wicked shot, one sure. of the hardest shots in the entire league. Yeah, but doesn't it hit doesn't anything, really, but it doesn't it doesn't hit the net, and that's yeah. the real problem the Islanders have. The Rangers' problem is they have somebody who has a really good one-timer. So they just exude, they just keep, eventually it'll hit, eventually it'll hit, eventually it'll hit, and they keep running it back and running it back. Well, you need to have more than one way. And we've seen glimpses of it where Fox will shoot a little bit more. That'll open up a rebound once, because if Fox is creeping in, the defenders have to come up a little bit more towards him. That's going to let somebody tour closer to the net crash down for a rebound or a deflection. There, There's a very easy remedies. We know this power play can work. It worked last year with Ryan Strom. The, the skill difference between Strom and Trojan maybe a little bit more of a hockey IQ thing from Strom, knowing where he needs to be a little bit more. But Trocek's a quality hockey player. There is a reason he's been around as long as he has, the reason he's getting paid the money he is. 
They don't know how to use him on the power play. That spot needs to be someone else. That you have a real argument that maybe you need to put Panarin on the second power play unit and reconfigure both units altogether, as opposed to this, we know this works, eventually it'll start working again, because it's been a few weeks now of the power play just being totally ineffective. I mean, the Rangers are in the 20s in the power play. That's just, with as much talent as there is here, man, that's just not acceptable. I mean, this is one of the leading problems that you have when you play one unit a minute and 50 seconds and then you throw in the second power play unit for the final garbage time on the of the power play once the everybody clears the zone. And then you have 18 seconds left and the second power play just, you know, Galang just sends out five guys and says, have fun. Good luck. When, you know, you if if the if the first dumping doesn't go their way, that the power play is over. That's one of the dangers that you uh, there's a lot of dangers that comes with that. But one of the biggest ones is if that first power play unit isn't scoring, then you have nothing because you force that first power play unit that isn't scoring to stay out there for a minute and a half or a minute and 40 seconds. They get nothing accomplished. And then by the time the second power play unit comes on the ice, it's over. You, the, if Gerard Gallant were to evenly split the times and potentially even split some of the talents, say Panarin moved down to power play two. I mean, as an, as an example, I'm not, you know, saying that you should absolutely do this or the power play is never going to fix. That's not, that's not what I'm saying, but just like as an example, as a, as a, just a thought, as, 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 as a thought, like if you move Panarin down to power play two, let's say, you know, and you, and you play the first power play unit for a minute or a minute, 10, whatever. And then you give the second power play unit some time to breathe that way. The, the other team, because listen, everybody in the, in the NHL at this point knows the Rangers will essentially only play one power play unit. They don't even have to scout the second power play unit. They don't have to look because 85% of the power play is those five guys that are on the ice. And what do those five guys on the ice do? They stand around and they pass it around a hundred times. They try to force the cross ice pass. Eventually, either Zabinajad for the one-timer, maybe Fox from the point, or once in a while, Panarin will try to shoot from, from, from the circle. That's it. Kreider is in front of the net. He scored 52 goals last season. Bunch of those were from, from tipping pucks on the power play. No one's shooting at him right now for reasons. So he's just standing there like like a lawn gnome, just kind of he's he's there and people see him, but that's kind of that's it for, for his job. That and they're not utilizing him properly on the power play. They are passing it around too much. Every team knows what the Rangers are doing. Yeah, of course they're not gonna score. And they're not changing their process either. Why? Why? That doesn't make any sense to me. If if your power play was scouted so well because you do the same thing every game and it's not working anymore and yet you refuse to change it, I got nothing. It's frustrating. That That's the biggest thing, especially about the power play, because you know there's talent on this team. The Rangers have so many talented guys who have the ability to be dangerous, especially on the man advantage. All right, changing up gears here, and th- this, I think, speaks to a lot of what we've been talking about for the first 20 minutes of the episode. The Rangers just kind of feel, meh. There's nothing, like, absurdly wrong here. There is. They have more than made up the prob- the gap of the first couple months. They, they were not in a playoff spot as recently as I think the first week of December. They've been in a playoff spot for, I, I think, I, I want to say four and a half weeks straight now. 
The Islanders are kind of falling off. That's one less team to worry about. You've got the Island, the um, the Penguins and the Capitals that are behind you. And then you've got the Devils and Hurricanes, but the Devils are seven points clear of you. The Hurricanes are nine points clear of you. The Rangers feel pretty good about where they're at in terms of the playoffs. And it's kind of, I don't want to say it's what happened last year where like basically by February, we knew the Rangers were going to be a playoff team last year. It was just a matter of what seed they were going to finish in. That's kind of what's happening now where they're playing games a lot more conservatively. They are dragging a lot of these games to overtime. They are just worried about getting that one point as opposed to going for the two. There is no real sense of urgency here. They are playing to get to the deadline because they know reinforcements are coming at the deadline. That is the single biggest takeaway I have from the Rangers for the last couple of weeks because they're 6-2-2 two, two in their last 10. That's fine. They're fifth in the entire league in scoring chances. They're four, They're 19th in goals over the last, two, uh, last 10 games. 20th in expected goals. 26th in high danger chances, they're 31st in shooting percentage, and they're 6th in save percentage, and that's the last 10 games. That tells me this team is playing a very safe, a very let's not get killed going back the other way, let's take as many shots as we can, let's try and kill them with volume, and that is a real change with how the Rangers have played the last couple of years. This is something Josh Califin has been working on for years, trying to isolate what team's average scoring chance is the most valuable. The Rangers were one of the best teams in the league the last couple of years at that because the Rangers have never shot a ton. They've always been a quality over quantity team. But this year, that is slowly changing. And the, 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 the telltale is that in, they're in scoring chances, fifth. High danger chances, 26th. Expected goals, 20th. That tells you they're taking a lot lower quality chances. And that is a fundamental change in how they're playing. And I think it speaks to uh, trying to play things a little bit safer and just getting to the deadline because that really seems to be because there's no urgency here speaking to a lot of the problems we've had for the last couple of weeks what we've talked about on the show they're not really changing anything they're giving vz and gaudreau run in the top six to play it safe there's no real sense of urgency to correct these problems here because there, there's a not there's an it's a known fact the rangers are going to add at the deadline my question to that is why because I understand the the thought process of let's just stay healthy and part and just stay the course until the deadline to to then when we get everybody at we get everybody added and all these things and then Gerard Gallant could just run wild with whoever they gets his new toys and then you could be off and running. My question is this: You have on most nights one of the best goalies on the planet in your crease, so wouldn't that give your offense more kind of confidence to just go for it. Why play it so safe when you have a goal? I mean, listen, the Rangers kind of did that with Lundqvist's old career and he didn't end up in the cup. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that can work and maybe that won't work. Who knows? But the Rangers have, a, I don't know if you know this, Nick, a really good goalie in Igor Sesterkin. Why are the Rangers playing it safe with Goudreau in the top six, with VC in the top six, with, you know, just insert guy here as opposed to going for it sometimes and actually trying, you know, to put all, put full-on offensive pressure on the other team at times when you know that you have Igor back there. So if you give up a two-on-one, if you give up a three-on-two opportunity, your goalie is really good and can probably make that stop when needed. Why are the Rangers so okay with a 2-2 tie going into the overtime? 
a 1-1 tie going in overtime when their overtime stats aren't even that great, honestly. Like no. when, when you get to overtime, the Rangers is like most of the time they lose. So th- why they are so content with that one point as opposed to giving the other team zero and taking two for themselves, to me, I I just don't understand why they are so okay with that thought process. It, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, that's part of being on the outside looking in. You have to think about this from the perspective of the GM, the president, the owner, the coach. Uh, I, we, as Ranger fans, have been very lucky that most nights James Dolan forgets the Rangers exist. <laughs> we are very grateful that yeah. James Dolan has been involved with the Knicks. There is a real sentiment amongst people. I mean, Larry has written about this a decent amount. Carp wrote about this a decent amount at the end before he left the athletic that Dolan took a more visible presence when he fired everybody at the end of the uh, 56 game season and he made jury the GM and the president and he's getting a nice healthy salary doing both of those jobs even though that should probably be two separate people doing that because that is a lot of responsibility to handle the owner is invested now the owner is we need to be winning more often than not and we need to be filling this arena every single night, which Ranger fans already did, even when the team was dog shit during that four-year stretch. They filled it in practice. They had an open practice on Saturday. The arena was packed with people. It was was basically a full MSG watching this team practice. They got a good. They got a good eleven thousand people in there for a practice practice. Saturday afternoon. Yeah, on the day of practice. Yeah, definitely. It's a weird thing because you you got to realize the different conflicts of interest here. For Gallant, it for most the first like I would say three months of the season, it was survival. It was I need to be able to keep this job beyond tomorrow. That was the driving deciding factor in a lot of his decisions. Now that they've stabilized, there's a very clear we need to maintain. It's a lot better to maintain than get a little bit of bad luck trying to play things a little too aggressively. And then suddenly, you know, you're more in a dogfight, whatever. It's very short-sighted the way they are choosing to handle this. I completely agree with you in that regard. I I talked about this, uh, I think, last week's episode. I was DMing with somebody back and forth having an argument that the organization knows Bart. Nick having an argument with somebody? No way. Can't believe it. I don't I only do it in the DMs. I don't argue on the timeline. <laughs> on we don't, we don't refuse, argue. That's right. We're not here. I'm not here to argue. We're not here to argue. <laughs> I I don't I don't care what you what most people think. To be completely honest with you, I really don't. Because there's no vested interest. This is not debate class. This is not high school. This is not college. And everybody has an opinion. That's great. You have no right to my time to debate you. That is not how this works. <laughs> you have no right to my time. If you want to make a point and it's reasonable and we can have a discussion, sure. But I, this is not high school debate class you are not ben shapiro i do not care but uh, the, the <laughs> argument about well the organization knows barkley goudreau jimmy vz are in top six forwards that's the coach trying to save his job no it's not the rangers are very much going to go into this game tonight against florida at least starting the game with barkley goudreau and jimmy vz playing on the second line with vincent trocek because they are bending over backwards to accommodate a player they didn't really consider the fit of and any rational decision making You'd be playing Heedle with Panarin, and you'd be playing Trocek on the third line, and you would figure out what to do on the wings with Zabinijad and Panarin with Heedle. You'd figure that out. But the coach is 
I trust these guys. They are low risk. They are low event. That is the entire ethos of the way Gerard Gallant wants to play hockey. Low event. Let our best players be better than the other team's best players. The problem is you do not always have the best players in a given game. Against the Bruins, the Bruins had probably three of the five, three of the four best players in that game last Thursday. Tonight against Florida, there's a real argument Matthew Kachuk is better than anybody on the Rangers other than Adam Fox and Igor, and the goalie's a little more fickle. Sasha Barkov, probably better than anybody on the Rangers. Can you outguise the Florida Panthers who have underachieved all season because they've gotten really bad luck and the magical skill stylings of Paul Maurice? Can you outguise a team that isn't playing particularly well? The Panthers, I think they're 7-2-1 and in their last 10. This is a good example of a... You should win this game. Do not overcomplicate it. This is a perfect situation for what you're talking about here. The, this is an opportunity. This team, Florida, concedes a lot defensively. You will have chances. Will you capitalize on them, or will you play it safe and try and just get one point out of this and keep the ball rolling until your additions, whatever shape those come in, come? And the deadline is still two months away. I mean, we're almost at the end of January here, but the deadline's not till March 3rd. And realistically, the Rangers probably aren't going to be able to add anybody at least till probably the week before the deadline because they want to maximize as much cap space as possible to make roster additions. We talked about this last week, that the game against the Bruins was the biggest litmus test of the season. That the how, the, how they played that game was going to dictate how I felt for the vast for the next however many games that is until the until the deadline and they are exactly who we think they are a team that can't really do much five on five and they got beat by a better team so when we talked about this last week of okay well if you really think you're a cup, cup contender right now then go beat them and that didn't happen and the Bruins won again because that's all they do this season because they know what the, the coach wants they know the system that they're playing in. They played it to perfection. They had five defensemen. They played the exact same way, and the Rangers couldn't handle that. And that was it. And the Rangers lost again. So, yeah, I mean, they beat Columbus last week. Woo! But realistically, how they played in that 60 minutes was really going to dictate, at least for me, how I felt about this team moving forward. And right now, can I say they're cup contenders? Did you see the way they played against Boston? I mean, like, they had they had good chances. They, they, they definitely, like... It wasn't the worst showing. There was definitely glimpses of okay. I mean, maybe like this team can do can do these things, and maybe maybe there's some kind of flow to this offense and and all these things. Well, they scored one goal, and that was the game. So ultimately, th- these like th- I guess they kind of have to continue to tread water until March. Like as as I don't I don't like saying that. But as of right now, I mean, okay, so they, they they lost a stinker. We talked about this last week, a stinker against Montreal. Like those two points would have been critical tonight, right? Because if you if you take those two points against Montreal, then whatever happens against Florida, it's mitigated slightly. But now that you lost to a really bad team in Montreal last week, you lose to Boston. This is a really important game for a lot of reasons, but also because now you have to make up those lost points. You you lost to a bad team. You lost to a good team. You got to get those points somewhere, and the Florida Panthers are coming in hot. As you said, winners of seven of the last ten games. This is a team that is angry. They're not in the playoffs right now, and they want to get these points as much as they can. Bobrovsky is not playing, which... Honestly, the way Baroska's in play kind of benefits Florida Panthers that he's not playing right now. And Spencer Knight is down the is down in the AHL right now. The, the they're going to play a, a quote unquote third string goalie 
in in Florida right in, in about half an hour. This is important. They need to come out and they need to hammer this guy with shots. They need to get these, they need to get good opportunities because if they don't and they allow this guy to basically get in, get into a flow and, po- and possibly steal a game like Sam Montembeau did in Montreal, that's a problem. And uh, no matter how well you want to coast your way to a point, if it goes to overtime or whatever, at the end of the day, these are games you have to get two points in if you want to be taken seriously by the rest of the NHL. That's the thing here. I mean, this is a winnable game, but they've got some tough ones. They've got Toronto this week. They've got Vegas this week. Next week, they've got Calgary. The, excuse me. After the what's it called? After the All Star break, they've got Calgary. The, there are real challenges here coming up. The Rangers have a difficult schedule the rest of the way. They still have to see Pittsburgh a couple more times. They have to see Washington a couple more times. They have to see Carolina and the Devils, I believe, one more time each. There is a lot left to go here. So just playing it safe is okay in the interim in the short term but there needs to be uh, the light bulb needs to go on here at some point for some of these guys if they continue with this rudderless lineup construction where every single game 10 minutes into the game the lineup is getting changed they are never going to get into the rhythm they need to part of what helped the rangers last year was they went into the playoffs playing super well they got in the right form at the right time and even that didn't make a whole lot of difference. It took a little bit of luck and Igor fixing, getting right and Lingren coming back and Sidney Crosby and getting hurt. goalies all going down. And, correct. It took a lot of things going right. But you want to be in good shape by the time you get to the deadline. Then that 15-game stretch between the trade deadline and the start of the playoffs, that is when you find you, this is how we're assembling our roster for the playoffs. We want to be clicking well by the time we get into the playoffs. They still can't even get to, say, the point where we know what the lineup is going to look like any given day. I guarantee you this lineup that's currently that's out there right now probably will not finish the game the way it is constructed right now with that Le- that LeCision, Gautier, and... Um, Kraftsoff. Why am I drawing? Yeah, Kraftsoff. God, why is Kraftsoff? Kraftsoff was playing well the <laughs> yeah, last dude, two weeks. I don't know, man. In the top six. And, that, and he's doing what they asked. They yeah. said, we want you to focus on defense. And he's been really good defensively this season since he came back from the last round of healthy scratches. And they still opted for Goudreau up there. And they said, well, Goudreau, well, they were conceding a lot defensively. Goudreau is not good at defense mm-hmm. at five on five. Goudreau is But he has value. rings, Nick. But he has rings. I hope yeah. I hope I hope as my as my camera goes out of focus. He has rings. He I has. hope he's at least brought these rings to the locker room and let the other guys on the t- team see them. At least like get something out of this other than just having him on the team. It's great that he's won in other places, but at some point, you know, you, you gotta co- admit reality here. Gaudreau is useful as a penalty killer. He's an okay bottom six forward. Playing him with Panarin and Trocheck and saying cover for their defense is not a practical strategy. No, this, no, this is not the NBA where I can put out a stopper with two offense first guys and the other two, uh, two parts are a stable part of our lineup and say it's okay that we can put him on the other team's best player Gaudreau cannot defend three guys at once there is a lot more that goes into hockey roster construction and yeah that's part of why the Rangers haven't found it yet but we need a light bulb to go on here in the next couple of weeks because to Andrew's point the Bruins game was a real measuring stick to kind of see where this team was at at a key at, oh, a little bit past the halfway point Right now, I think they're probably a first-round, maybe a second-round playoff team. Beyond that, 
I don't particularly feel confident about this group right now. There is plenty of time for that to change. And granted, if Igor gets going, going, and Fox keeps playing like he's the best defenseman in the league, maybe they don't need a whole lot more to go right than that. But that's not really an assuring strategy, which is really no. our point here. They're just relying on your best players to be the best players every single night, that's not a long-term sustainable strategy. For individual games, maybe an individual playoff series, that works. But eventually the rent comes due. You cannot play above your means forever. Could be worse. Uh, we could be Canucks fans. Hey, I, Jack Studnico, who the Bruins waved more than once last year, is play, it was on their first line at practice today. Um, Quinn Hughes is on their second defensive pair. Um, their coach didn't say a single coherent thing on TNT in his entire no. time. The man did not enunciate. Like, he was talking into a microphone, and he was always talking like he had just had four beers and mumbling. Well, he... God like, bless he <laughs> He, he would always try to get people to fight on the ice. I don't know if you like, yeah. if you listen to him on TNT, he would always be like, well, you know, they, they, they should have, they should have thrown a punch or, or thrown a hit or, or done something as opposed to like, you know, when, or, Hey, you know, maybe just score more goals in the team and then you win and then you get two points and you go, go home. But no, I mean like Rick Tockett, ah, dude, I don't know. I don't know why Vancouver, loves him so much. I don't know why you know the answer specifically. To that. You know I mean, the, answer to that. the owner I, was watching the game. The owner watched he, him on TV. Right. That, I, it's, a, it's the same reason the Colts hired Jeff Saturday. The, Jim Mercer watches a lot. I of TV. guess it's I the same reason. It's the same reason all of these TV guys get second lives, third lives as coaches, because the owners are the ones who make the decisions. Owners are usually the driving forces in picking who the next coach is, and that's because it is based on connection. The owners like to feel like they're part of the process. If they're not picking the players, they at least get to pick the coach, and the coach gets to mold the players. They feel like they're important, and when you're an owner, like like what's going on in Vancouver, who doesn't really know what makes a good hockey team you're just inclined to throw things at the wall and see if anything sticks well he also got he also embarrassed the hell out of himself with this whole bruce brujo situation like if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna fire your head coach you don't just hang do on it. to him for for months at a time because allegedly and now i i i'm i'm not a tnt member right i'm not an nhl and tnt member so i don't i have i don't have their contract in front of me but allegedly there was uh, there was something in Tockett's contract that was something along the lines of he has to let TNT know four weeks in advance that he is getting a head coaching job so that he can leave his TV gig so that TNT finds a replacement. So this has been in the works for a long time, allegedly. Now, I don't know if you know this, Nick, but if I was a head coach, if I if I was a, if I was an owner of an NHL team, and I did not like my head coach. And I was going to find a replacement. I, for one, would fire the coach I currently have, have my assistant be an interim for for a little bit, and <laughs> wait until this alleged clause or whoever else comes along and hire them instead, as opposed to keeping this head coach that he knows he's going to get fired. I know I'm firing him. The media knows it. The fans know it. Everybody knows it. It's an open secret. Bruce Boudreaux was going to get fired and he was still coaching. 
Like, what are, you, what are you doing? And on top of that, okay, so you fire him because your roster is a dumpster fire. As my camera goes out of focus again, my your your whole roster is a dumpster fire because you did a you, your G, your general manager did a terrible job of cap anything. Like he he, he gave Oliver Ekman Larson a trillion dollars. He gave Cutter Garland a trillion dollars. And now OEO was a healthy scratch. All these things, okay. Your team is a disaster. Bruce Boudreaux is supposed to do what exactly with these people? I don't know. What is Rick Tockett supposed to do? Allegedly, Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show today said that uh, they, they one of the reasons they brought in JT Miller, uh, the, what one of the reasons they brought in Rick Tockett was because essentially to babysit JT Miller. He didn't say that, but that was that was insinuated that basically he he was brought in to to fix JT Miller. What are you doing? Like, am I going crazy here? Like, what Vancouver? What what in the world are you doing? So you know what? Of, of, with all the problems the Rangers have, at least they're not the Vancouver Canucks. That is the extreme end of what happens when the owner is too involved, when the GM is just adding players as opposed to being conscientious about how the players fit. And you come into a situation now where somebody is going to have to tear that down entirely and basically restart, and that'll take at least two or three years. Tockett had an okay stint in Arizona. They won a playoff series against the Oilers in the bubble, which, you know, how much credit you want to give that, whatever. But his his greatest attribute as a coach is getting more out of guys defensively really helped evolve Clayton Keller's game in Arizona to make him more responsible as a two-way player. Clayton Keller is a very good two-way player now, and that Tockett does get credit for that. But one coach is not going to make a difference here in Vancouver. That, that's really the thing. And there, there's maybe like five coaches in the entire NHL that actually matter beyond that. They're just field trip chaperones. They're just there to fill out the lineup card, make sure that somebody's running practice. But most of these guys don't make a discernible impact from the other. As long as you don't have one of the five worst ones, you're fine, relatively speaking. Like, I, yeah, Gallant annoys the hell out of me, but at least he's not David Quinn. Like, there there, there are levels <laughs> to this. There are levels to this. Like, yeah. Gallant just outright will lie to your face, whereas David Quinn will treat you like you're stupid. And there is a difference between those two things, which is important. The coach should be able to effectively communicate with the public Glott very much does not like talking to anybody. Very antisocial person. All right, we got five minutes to go here before we wrap up. Um, they got three games this week. They got Florida, Toronto, and Vegas. Vegas is at home. They got to go to Toronto and Florida at home tonight. I'm very con- curious to see how they deploy this lineup. I, I've seen a few different people tweet different configurations. The kid line took line rushes as the second line during warm-up, so maybe we'll get our wish of getting those guys a good 14, 15 minutes of ice time. That would go a long way and kind of figuring out what this team is going to look like in the second half of the season because aside from Heedle, Paco and Lafreniere have been all over the lineup. Lafreniere has really had a rough go of it as of late. He doesn't, he's not really, he's not feeling it right now. And it's really hard. I mean, in the Bruins game, there was that one sequence where he had the puck in a great area, but he took an extra half second. He passed instead of shooting and passed out of a good scoring chance. And that's entirely confidence. That is entirely, I don't feel this. I got to get rid of it as opposed to, all right, I can make a play. Let's see it happen tonight. Florida is a winnable game. There's a third string goalie. Take advantage of yep. playing a third string goalie. And that's if Spencer Knight doesn't play. I know they recalled him. I don't know if he got to New York in time or not. And in time to be the backup or to dress tonight. Think about it this way. The Florida Panthers this season are 11-14 and 2 away from their home, right? So this is by all accounts should be a Rangers win. 
you the Rangers go to are Toronto, a bad home team for, for whatever uh, listen, reason. Listen, the Rangers' record at home is not great. Right. I mean, listen, they're they're years. eleven they're eleven nine and four at home. At least they have a, a positive record. It's not eleven fourteen and two. Like by all, by all accounts, Rangers should, in theory, win this game. They then they go to Toronto, a team that has lost three times in regulation all season at home. 17, 3, and 4 at home. Then they play Vegas, a team that, if I, if I can find it, away from home are 15, 4, and 2. This, like, by all accounts, the, like, you have to be Florida. I understand that there, we, we, were, we were concerned with how the Rangers were going to get points from December to now. And they have man, and they found a way to say we don't care who we're playing. We're going to beat the good teams, and for some reason, lose to bad teams. I don't know why they decided to do that, but that was their strategy, and it worked. So I guess you know all these stats, and that's great, and everything. And the Rangers are kind of an enigma, so I guess they don't matter to a certain extent. But this week is really important for a lot of different reasons. Vegas, Vegas is really good on the road. Toronto is really good at home. Florida has picked it up in the last 10, but they are not very good away from, from their home rank. These games are crucial, especially these next two, Florida and Toronto. Vegas is a Western Conference team. This is the last time this season you're going to play them. I I think like teams have a pact when when East and West teams play together that they have to go to overtime because everybody everybody wants points. So there's like an unwritten unwritten rule. If you're if you're tied, ah, sign to overtime, everybody gets a point. But Real, you know, seriously though, like the, the, this, the Rangers are going to play three very good teams. One is desperate. The Florida Panthers are a desperate team that has won seven of their past 10 games. They want two points tonight more than anything else. And then you have to go and play the Toronto Maple Leafs who are dominant at home and the Vegas Golden Knights who are dominant away from home. So they have, they have to ideally, ideally four points. Bare, be mi- bare minimum is four points. They need to get four points here. They have to beat Toronto. I mean, they have to beat Florida and get points from Toronto or Vegas. I, if you want to say about the overtime and get two points that way, I'd rather you not. I'd rather you just win one of them. But if you're going to do that, please just, go. I'd rather you do that than lose both of them in regulation. They, they need to get four points here in some way, shape or form. Obviously I would love for them to get six points. That's that's great. But realistically, the bare minimum should be the Rangers get four out of six this week against three solid teams. That will do it for this week's episode. Make sure you are subscribed to the show on whatever podcast platform you prefer. We're on all the major ones. If you prefer video, we are on YouTube. There is a little more content drip coming on YouTube every day. Uh, Liberty Blue Pod on YouTube, on so on Instagram and Twitter at Liberty Blue Pod. Content drops pretty frequently. Working on things, putting up pretty little graphics, all that kind of stuff. That's fun. Uh, make sure you're subscribe, following Andrew and me, both our personals. You'll definitely be seeing shit posts. Uh, Johnny Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y, Andrew, and then mine, Nick Zaris, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Make yeah. sure... You guys are out there and letting the team know we will not stand for this bullshit. Okay. <laughs> Fix the damn power play. Fix the power play. I mean, Fix listen, the, like that's my biggest thing. Fix the yeah. power play. That, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I-
Well, listen, I, I, the, the, the meme, I, I don't, I don't know Sarka that well, so I don't know the, the name of the person, but the, the meme of just like, if I, if I speak, I am in big trouble. That is me oh, yeah. whenever, whenever, uh, whenever Sammy Blade gets in remotely in the conversation of anything. Cause it's like, oh, if I, listen, if I speak, I am in big trouble. Cause that's, that's, that's become my identity now is, is I'm the anti Sammy Blade guy and I am the give me Pavel Buchnevich until my last dying breath guy. Like that is, that is who I've become, even though like, listen, I don't, I don't want to reference that trade as much as I do, but when Timmy Blade doesn't have a goal in a thousand games as a Ranger, you bring it up. But hey, if I speak, I'm in big trouble, so I don't want to speak. I'm making a new ruling, Andrew. You need to bleep out his name every time you say it. And only when you say it. I can say Sammy yeah, Blade's yeah, name. Okay, you we'll need see to bleep that. out his you yeah, need to we'll, bleep out his name. I don't know about that. All right. Enjoy the game. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>